Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. privilege to come every week together as we've been saying and to have the Lord instruct our hearts through the teaching of his word. I wonder who of you here have ever spent some time on the internet and you maybe go to Google Earth. Pretty fascinating thing Google Earth. As you go to Google and you type in Google Earth you get another link and then you get to open up and type in your address and you know what happens? You start with this massive big view of the whole world. And then as you keep zooming in, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where I can see my own house there in the east in Fairy Glen. I can even see the pool, whether my pool is clean or not from Google Earth. But you know what the thing is, the more I look at this small property of mine in comparison to this massive world I realize that I only have a small piece of land there in the east of Pretoria that small piece of land is nothing in comparison to what God owns right because what does the scripture tell us about God owning the earth Psalm 24 1 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. What about another familiar verse that we like to quote when we talk about God doing whatever He wants to do because it all belongs to Him. Psalm 50 verses 10 to 11. I'm sure you've heard this one before. For every beast of the forest is mine, says God, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all the, that moves in the fields is mine. You see, not only does God own the earth, He owns everything that walks on the earth. Which means everything that you and I have belongs to who? Belongs to God. And that is what I want us to think about today. If God is the one who already owns absolutely everything then why should we give back to Him? Why should we give to the local church? We are busy with a series of why we love the local church. And we're talking about some of the fundamental things about what it means to be part of the church. We started by talking about God's unstoppable plan for the church. We also saw how... the. In the church we get to practice the sacraments of baptism and communion where we publicly see how God still saves people and even through communion remind each other that God has saved me and united me to other people. 
and that Jesus is coming back soon. I mean, we've talked about community. How the church is this gospel-centered community that cares for one another, where we officially recognize who are the members of the body, because the church has the responsibility to publicly recognize who is part of God's family. And last week we talked about the importance of worship. How when we sing, we are actually preaching the truth to one another in song. We are stirring up the right emotions in our hearts by singing the truth and praising God for the salvation He has given us in Jesus Christ. And so today I want us to consider that the worship that we enjoy in the church is not only singing, but giving. It's not only the way you sing, but the way you give. In other words, in a world that is telling us constantly what we are to do with our money and our resources, the church is the place that helps me to make sense of the resources that God has given me. And it's easy to make a wrong assumption. It's easy for us to make the wrong assumption that just because people come to church and they're listening to the Word of God and they're singing all these songs with passion, that they will automatically understand and learn that they need to give. That people will understand that giving is part of living a gospel-centered life of worship, where the song that is in your heart causes you to give generously to God's kingdom. And so that would be pretty naive. And that's why we must talk about giving. I mean, many churches, we don't like to talk about giving, do we? And yet we live in a world where you are being told every single day what to do with your resources. I mean, I think just this past week, I probably got 10 different calls from all these different insurance companies trying to sell me another insurance policy, trying to tell me what to do with my money because it's not secure by itself. You see, the world is not ashamed to tell you what to do with your money. But guess what? Neither is God. The Bible is full of instructions about why we should give and how we should give. Because for God, giving is a deeply personal indicator of our spiritual maturity and our love for Him. In other words, giving to the church is not a preference decision. It's a relational decision. Because it's about you and Jesus. And so today I want us to recognize that we love the local church because the church helps me to make sense of the resources that God has given me. That God has given us. And in answering our question of why we should give to the church, even if God already owns everything, I want to give you three reasons. Three reasons why it's important to give to the church, three reasons why it's good for us to give to the kingdom of God. And the first reason is, by giving to the church, we get to train our hearts. By giving to the church, we actually get to train our hearts. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. 
We all know this famous passage where Jesus is helping us to make sense of our hearts. Because what he is most interested in is our hearts when it comes to giving. He's actually interested in what goes on in our hearts, this central hub of our worship, when it comes to how we use our money. And so we read in Matthew 6, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, if you've ever had car problems, and you go to the mechanics, one of the very first things they do as you bring your car that's broken down to them is they plug in this diagnostic machine into the central hub of the car. And all this information is relayed on a computer to tell them where the the possible problem is. In Matthew 6, Jesus is doing that with our hearts. The same is true with our hearts. We need to look at our giving because Jesus says that our giving actually reveals where our heart is. Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be as well. If you're someone, for example, that maybe has taken some of your money and you've invested it in Bitcoin... Those who know what Bitcoin is, you are going to be watching the economy and the value of Bitcoin very, very carefully. Why? Because you've invested your money there. What about some of you who own a piece of property back home in the country where you come from? You are going to be thinking about that property and its value and whether it's safe to to be there. In other words, your heart will follow your treasure. Your heart will follow your treasure. And Jesus knows that our hearts are so easily distracted, and so He wants to train our hearts by instructing us to give to something that will last way longer than any of the stock markets of this life. I mean, you just think of the wisdom that God gives us in Proverbs. Proverbs 23, verses 4 to 5. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. In other words, don't let your heart be so consumed with getting wealth now, chasing riches now, because in a moment it can be gone. I remember in my previous job, before I was called a ministry, I was given this bonus at the end of the year. You see, when the company was able and they were doing well, they were able to give bonuses to their employees, which was great. And as they were telling us we're going to get these bonuses, my mind was already spending that money. But you know what? As soon as that money came into my account, it was gone the next day because I had to use it to fix my car 
whose whole head gasket had blown and the engine was gone. Yet I was sitting there dreaming about flat screen TVs. Maybe the new clothes that I could buy. But God wants us to check our hearts because God doesn't need your money, but He wants all of your heart. He doesn't need your money, but He wants all of your heart. And so when I give my money away, I am training my heart to be focused on what is most important. I mean, every time the offering basket comes around, or every time I do my budget and sit down and plan my money, I give to the church, and I, and I have this opportunity to train my heart by giving my resources away. Because in fact, when I do that, I'm guarding my heart against the love for things of the world more than God. See, the regular discipline of giving away some of the resources that God has given me protects my heart from becoming attached to the things of the world. And I know that all of us need training in this area. We all need the right perspective about what matters most and how we spend our money reveals what we think matters most. If you're someone that recognizes that your heart perhaps is overly consumed with the things of the world, then you know what? Start giving those things away and see what happens. Start giving some of that stuff away and see what it reveals in your heart. Why is it hard to let go? Further down in Matthew 6, 24, just a few verses later, Jesus goes on to say, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You see how Jesus is actually talking about worship. Jesus is saying you cannot worship Him and money at the same time. Because it's about our affections. He uses the words love and hate, devoted and despised. And what He's trying to do is to help us see that we can worship Him and love Him by training our hearts to give to what will last. Because one of the ways we train our hearts to is to long for heaven And one of the ways you long for heaven is to actually put your money there. Which brings us to the second reason why we should give to the church. Not only do we train our hearts by giving to the church, but by giving to the church, we get to give to kingdom opportunities. We get to invest in heaven. We love the church because it's where we get to invest in what will last forever. You see, sometimes we think that investors are only people who have lots of money and who want to make more of it. I think we think of people like the financial industry where people like we know Warren who works in this financial company that where people give him money so that he can invest it on their behalf so they can make more money. But you know what? That's not true. Every single one of us makes investments all of the time. Either in things of this world, 
or in God's kingdom. And when it comes to the church, we have the opportunity to invest in what is guaranteed. We get to invest in what will yield eternal rewards. Matthew 6, verse 20 again. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where the thieves do not break in and steal. God wants you to put your money where your heart is. And so He wants to change the focus of your heart. He wants us to have our hearts in heaven. God wants our desires, our dreams, our affections, our ambitions to be heavenly focused. Because He knows the treasures of this world is only temporary, but the true treasure that we have in Jesus is eternal. I wonder how many of us, if we knew how successful someone or a product like Apple, you know, Apple, like MacBooks and iPhones. Imagine at the start of that journey, you knew how successful Apple products would be. You had the privilege of having this insight of knowing how successful it will be so many years later. Would you invest in that kind of company? I mean, who wouldn't, right? Everyone would invest in Apple if they knew how successful it would be. But what about the church? The church is a sure thing. Because the church is all about the eternal kingdom of God. God gives us the privilege to invest in stocks that are far greater, far more lasting, with guaranteed returns that will last forever. They will give you blessing far beyond what you can imagine. I mean, consider what Paul says to the Philippians. We've talked about this before here at church. He's talking about how thankful he is about their concern for him and They're giving toward Him. So let me read for us from Philippians 4.15. He says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. But then verse 17 he adds, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Why does Paul want the church to give? Because they will get something out of it, right? If we have our hearts in heaven, and we give toward the work of heaven, then we will receive heavenly rewards. And what this does not mean is that you will be wealthy now because you are giving more to the church. That you will get more material blessings now because you're giving more to the church. I think many of us recognize the prosperity gospel and that kind of message. Yes, God may bless you now, but the real reward is in the life to come. 
The real reward is in the life to come. When you give to the cause of the gospel now, it will result in accumulating rewards for you in the life to come. That's why one man says, put your treasure in heaven and your heart will follow. Put your treasure in heaven and your heart will follow. Give to what matters most and you become invested in what matters most. Just like the person who invests in Bitcoin and is interested in what happens with Bitcoin, so does the person who invests in the church. Because when you give to the church, you become invested in what happens with the church. Your affections gravitate away from what the world is promising and what toward what God is promising. And what God is promising is that you will get full return on your investment when you invest in heavenly stocks. And the amazing thing about these heavenly rewards are, as Jesus said, no one can steal them. No one can be corrupt and take them away from you. Not even rust will cause it to decay. I think the world often talks about paying it forward. I think we're familiar with the concept of paying it forward. And when you give to the church, you are basically doing the same. It's like when you are working as a, a foreigner, maybe here in South Africa, and you're sending money home with MoneyGram of some sort of service, because that is where your heart is, and that is where you want your money to be used and invested. In the same way, when you give to the church, and the opportunities that come with kingdom work through the church, you are sending your resources home to heaven. You're investing in heavenly rewards. And this is so important for us to understand because the world is teaching you to love money all the time. Even in churches, they teach you to love money all the time. And that is why Paul, he warns Timothy about the danger of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Pretty remarkable picture, right? Imagine taking a knife and stabbing yourself to death. That's the spiritual danger if we don't check our hearts. That's the danger when we love the world more than God. That's the danger when we are investing and pursuing earthly riches now, rather than giving toward what will last forever. 
And so what you and I need to realize is that we can give to the opportunities we have in the church. And as we do so, we show God that He is our treasure. We show God that He is our treasure. Because the way we give indicates whether we believe Jesus is worth it. When you're laying up treasures in heaven by giving your money away now, then you're showing the world that Jesus is worth it. Because giving your money away is an act of faith, because in doing so, we are saying, I trust you, God. I trust you to take care of me and my family. I trust you to take care of me and my church family. When we give in faith, we show that we value Christ more than anything else. That we believe that nothing else in this world could have been a better use of that money. And so Jesus wants us to give with that kind of confidence. Because we believe He is worthy of our giving. So think about it like this. Every time you give your money or your stuff away, you are reminding yourself of how much Jesus loves you and how He was given for you. If you're here and you're not a Christian and you wonder, why do Christians give to the church or these ministries in the church? It's because of the gospel. We don't give so that we can earn God's favor. We don't give so that Jesus would like me anymore. We don't give so that the world can think that we are the Savior. We give because of a personal relationship we have with the Savior who treasures me so much that He is willing to come and die for me. We give because the Savior welcomes me into His kingdom, even though I am such a bad investment. We give because we were given something that you cannot put a price on. Because no amount of money can buy you a right standing with God. Now, no amount of giving to your church or any orphan ministry or missionary society can give you the righteousness that you and I need. The Bible says you're condemned because of your sin and you have a heart problem that needs fixing. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul then says to the church, For you know... The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you by his poverty might become rich. Which means if we understand grace, then only do we understand how much treasure we have in Jesus. Because if you're a Christian, you can say, I'm rich. I'm rich in righteousness because of Jesus. And this righteousness is not something I can buy or earn because of what I have done. 
Because of how much I put in the offering basket. It's because Jesus gave himself for me. For us as a church. And the only way to become rich in Christ spiritually is to recognize how poor you are by yourself. You're nothing. And to repent of your sin and turn to the lavish, abounding, merciful grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And so when we give to the church, we are saying, Jesus, thank you for giving yourself for me. Thank you for giving yourself for me. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you and I believe you are worthy of my giving. You are worthy of my worship. And not just the songs I sing in church, but the heart that is full of worship and giving. We spoke to the children about this story. In 1 Kings 17.7, we see the story of how God provided for this widow, right? In the small town northwest of Galilee, along the Mediterranean coast, and after a three and a half year drought, God sent Elijah to this widow who was living with serious financial problems. There had been this terrible fear growing in her heart for several years. There's no rain in the land, which means she couldn't grow anything. She and her son were all alone with all these problems. And then the prophet Elijah shows up. And as he gets to her, he asks her for a drink of water. And like we said, her water supply is basically finished, so she must use some of her last reserves to be able to give him this drink. But that's not all. The prophet goes one step further and he asks her for food. And so they imagine the tension now in her heart. She knows she's basically got nothing left. And now this man of God is asking for the last bit of bread she has. Because look at what Elijah then tells her. 1 Kings 17, 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. And basically Elijah, who represents God here, is promising her some sort of miracle. But first she must trust what he says and make some food for him. And so now it's decision time. What is she going to do? Will she divide what she has for her and her son and give it away to this man? Or will she keep it all to herself? Which in this case is basically the same as will I give to God and trust Him or will I keep what I have and make another plan myself? And then we read in the story, she decides to obey and to share what she has. And then look at the result, First Kings seventeen fifteen, and she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he, she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, 
according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. God provided abundantly for this woman and her son because she trusted him. Because she loved him and obeyed him. Because she was giving in faith. And her faith was strengthened that day and her love for God grew even stronger. Because God was her treasure. Which means we all need to look at ourselves. Do we live for the here and now? For earthly treasure? Or are we living for the reality of heaven and its rewards? Are we living and giving by faith in such a way that indicates that Jesus is my absolute treasure? Think about it like this. If a non-Christian had to look at your monthly budget, if you even have one, will they see heaven as a priority on there? We respond to the goodness of the gospel by proclaiming it with our words, by singing it with songs, but also with our resources. I think we've all heard the saying, put your money where your mouth is. Right? Pretty familiar saying. Well, Jesus is saying, put your money where your heart is. And if you love the local church, then invest in the kingdom opportunities you have through giving to your church. Invest in good preaching and your spiritual growth by giving toward the church so that the church can support your pastors. Invest in missions by supporting those who take the gospel where you can't go. Invest in each other for providing for the needs of those who are in your church family. Because when we give our resources away, it's like you are showing the world the the extravagant spiritual wealth that you have in Jesus. And sometimes it requires a little bit of faith, and sometimes it requires a lot of faith. But either way, when you give in faith to the church and the opportunities to advance the kingdom of God through the church, you are trusting God. You're trusting God that He will continue to provide for you and will bless you with eternal rewards because you're making a statement about His worthiness. Because for God, it's all about what's going on in your heart. Which brings us now to the third reason why we should give to the church. First, because by giving to the church, we train our hearts. Second, we give to the church because we get to invest in kingdom opportunities through the church. We get to send our money where our hearts are. And now thirdly, by giving to the church, we get to increase our joy. We get to increase our joy. See, as we train our hearts and as we seek to invest in what will last forever, and when Jesus come, becomes our greatest treasure, then the more we give, the more joy we will experience in our giving. I think of the early church in Acts chapter 2. These guys were so in love with the gospel and with being a new community of faith, 
that they wanted to be generous together. Acts 2.44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. See, because once Jesus takes hold of your heart, you realize that it's more blessed to give than to receive. You realize that there's great joy and generosity among the people of God. Verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with what kind of heart? Glad and generous hearts. The people were willing to let go of their stuff so that they can meet the needs of others. But they did all of that because it was a joy to do so. With glad and generous hearts. Because when you see giving as an act of worship, then you start to see people like Jesus does. Later in Acts chapter 4, we see people selling their stuff again, but Luke adds and says in Acts 4.34, There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of the lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. They brought their proceeds to the leaders of the church. Because in the church they were able to help distribute the the resources toward the, the needs of the rest of the body. They trusted their leaders. They trusted their leaders to help give to where the greatest needs were. And as they were doing all of this, their hearts just kept increasing in joy and joy and more generosity. In fact, we know that God says He loves a cheerful giver, right? 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, God wants to, you to have joy and keep increasing your joy as you give. Because if God loves a cheerful giver, then the opposite must be true. Right? Which is what? God hates a grumpy giver. God doesn't want us to feel, Ah, why must I do this? I don't want to give this. I rather want to keep this to myself. He wants us to have the kind of joyful heart in giving, like another widow that we meet in Mark chapter 12. Jesus and His disciples are at the temple. And the city of Jerusalem is full because it's time to celebrate Passover. And people who came to the temple, they were giving these extra gifts because it was a time of special worship. And so Mark 12, 41, we read, And He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And He called His disciples to Him and said to them, 
Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now I don't think Jesus is saying that the wealthy people who had been making these donations had the wrong heart or motivations in their giving. We don't see that in the text. What he's trying to point out is that the lady who gave her last penny was giving with a heart of worship. She was giving everything she had because it was a joy for her to do so. And that is why Jesus then makes the observation that according to him, who knows exactly what goes on in her heart, she was giving more than what the wealthy people were giving. You see, from the world's perspective, this was someone who had no reason to give like this. I mean, she's going to have nothing left if she gave her lost resources. But here we see someone that was willing to sacrifice her income because of the joy she had in giving. Her faithful giving was an act of faith. You see, whether you give one rand in faith, that brings more joy and glory to God than one million rand given with the wrong attitude. Because a cheerful giver is someone who is generous and sacrificial. Look at me again with Paul writes what Paul writes to the Corinthians. Back in Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I mean, what's going on here? These people were suffering themselves, yet in a severe test of affliction, they had this abundance of joy. In other words, they were so full of joy because of the gospel, it made them these generous and sacrificial people. And then what happens because of this joy in the gospel? It says, even in extreme poverty... They overflowed in a wealth of generosity. I mean, these saints in Macedonia were pleading to give, even though they themselves did not have much to give. That comes from a heart that understands the riches you have in Jesus. A heart that values Christ and His church. I think many of us or Maybe you've seen it. It's we, we're happy to make a sacrifice for saving up for maybe some bigger expense. I remember a former co-worker of mine who was trying to save up money to buy a house and she was willing to eat just plain bread for such a long time so she could save up money in order to buy a house. People are willing to sacrifice greatly 
for what they love. What are you sacrificing for? If your love is on Jesus and His church, then we will also also joyfully sacrifice to be generous toward His kingdom. And like our one man says, he says, being generous in the church is just as contagious as being stingy. So let's rather be generous. Let's rather be generous. Because when we are generous, it increases our joy. It frees us from the cares of this world because we know that God will take care of us. We believe that if He has given us His Son, He will surely give us all that we need for each day. And so one of the best ways to train my heart to become joyful, generous and sacrificial is to give on a regular basis. I mean, someone who trains for the comrades doesn't do so just once a year. You make it a habit of training as much as you can. And the same is with our hearts. We can increase our joy when we give on a regular basis because we truly believe that Jesus is worth it. This does not mean... Listen carefully. This does not mean we take all of our income and we have to give that to the church. That's not what we're saying. The Bible makes it clear that we ought to care for our families and to, to settle our debts. But what this does mean is that we need to hook up our hearts to this diagnostic machine that is God's Word and see if we are truly giving because we are in worship of Him. And where the giving is a priority in our lives. Today we are three reasons why you should give to the church. Because it trains our hearts. And guards us from being selfish and distracted. Because it allows us to invest in heaven and the kingdom opportunities that come through the church that will result in eternal blessing. And because it increases our joy. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Even when we don't have much to give. In 1 Chronicles 29.9 I want to close with a prayer of David. And he's thanking God for people who came and gave willingly. It reads, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand... It is to make great and to give strength to all. 
And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the amazing gift that you've given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that our hearts that are so consumed by this world can be set free from this world to love someone greater. Thank you that we can train our hearts by making it a habit of giving sacrificially and generously and joyfully. Thank you that we can invest in heaven and what will last forever. Thank you that every time we give, we can give in faith, trusting and knowing that you will use this, Lord, to glorify your name. Father, help us to have a true picture of what's going on in our hearts. Perhaps some here have never thought about giving. It's just something that happens to happen now and again when the basket comes by. Father, help us all to see we are missing out on the opportunities to worship you, to show the world that you are worthy. And Father, we know, we know that even whether we give one rand or whether we give 10,000 rand, about what goes on in our hearts. So help us to be purposeful, help us to be clear in our thinking, help us to be clear in our worship when it comes to the matters of resources and the opportunities we get, have to, to get behind the church and the mission of the church and supporting other churches and supporting other ministries, Lord, to be able to invest in what will last forever. What greater joy to know that I can invest in helping people hear the good news about Jesus Christ. So they too can say, I'm rich in righteousness. So Lord, I pray, make us a generous people. Whether we have a little or a lot, make us generous people. To live lives of true worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.